The scripture says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's what Gloria sang about. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever done that? I can remember when as a 17-year-old boy I knelt beside a chair and I called upon the Lord Jesus to save me. I knew I was a sinner. I realized he died for me and my sin on the cross and rose from the grave. And I received him as my Savior, my way to heaven, my way to forgiveness, my way to a relationship with God, and as my Lord, Master, Owner, Ruler. Have you ever done that? Oh, isn't it time? Isn't it time that you made peace with God? He gave his Son so you could do that. Would you receive him today if you've never done so? And during this invitation time, I pray you'll come forward and make that decision public. Because he asked us to confess him publicly before men. And that he will confess us before the angels in heaven. Our Father, bless this message today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 11 in your Bibles. Mark chapter 11. I'm going to do a topical message today, but I have no doubt God wants me to do this message. Many years ago, I read this passage, and it was one of those passages that the Holy Spirit just really lifted out to me, and I've never been able to get over it. And uh, I had to give myself a spiritual pep talk the first of the week. Did you ever do that? You ought to. David did that in 1 Samuel 36. His men were threatening to stone him. And the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Don't, you don't have to wait till Sunday and let the preacher give you a spiritual pep talk. You can give yourself a spiritual pep talk if it's based upon the Word of God. And that's what happened. I went back to this passage as I have many times. And... Uh, it's about faith, but it's about mountain-moving faith. I came across a scripture this morning I never thought of applying to this in 1 Corinthians 13, 2. Paul says, if I have all faith, that I can move mountains. If I have all faith, I'm convinced Christians have faith. We have faith in John 3, 16, but it is only until we are believing and claiming all of the Word of God and all of the promises of God that we have all faith. And all faith is mountain-moving faith. You might say, but in that 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, doesn't he say at the end, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yes, he does, and yes, it is, but notice what's at the first of the list before you can really even have that love, faith. And hope is a Greek word that means uh, confidence in. If you have faith and you have confidence in the source of faith, which is the Word of God, you will have love. 
It's so very important. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Pretty simple. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And he was on the Mount of Olives. And what's interesting is when you read Zechariah 14, 4, when he comes back again, he will touch down on the Mount of Olives. And the very thing he says here about the mountain being cast into the sea is going to take place. It's going to be split in half. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt, where? In his heart. Always comes back to the heart. Not head, heart. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. First, there's the priority of faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently. That's that aggressive faith. Mountain moving faith. Diligently seek him. It doesn't matter what else you have. If you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. Now we're to be Christ-like, and Christ focused on pleasing the Father. John 8, 29. For I always do those things that please Him. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 of our purpose. Therefore, we make it our aim. The Greek word for aim means goal. Our goal, our purpose. Whether present, living here in this world or absent in heaven, to be well-pleasing to him. Folks, faith is not some side issue. Faith is a priority. Faith is, is where it starts. Faith. Faith. And if we're here to please God, and it's impossible, did you hear that? It's impossible to please God without faith. How are you doing with pleasing God in your life. The priority of faith. Secondly, the power of faith. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, let it be to you. How are things going with you? I can tell you how things are going with you. They're going according to your faith. I didn't ask how are things going with your circumstances. I said, how are things going with you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace? I can tell you how things are going with you. According to your faith. That's what Jesus said. According to your faith, be it unto you. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Sometimes Rick leads us in another good old hymn, Faith is the Victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who believes. When Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth, in Mark 6, 5 through 6, the Bible said, now he could do no mighty work there. Why? Was Jesus not God in flesh? Was Jesus not omnipotent? Of course he is. But he could do no mighty work in Nazareth, and he marveled. Only a few times in the gospel will you find Jesus marveling. He marveled at the centurion's faith, 
And here he marvels at the lack of faith. Now he could do no mighty work there and he marveled because of their unbelief. I have a blower Marsha gave me years ago. It's been a good blower, you know. You can actually rake leaves a lot faster than blowing them, but it's not nearly as fun. And uh, a few days ago, I got it out, and it wouldn't crank. And I checked the gas line, and I thought, well, maybe I'm buying the wrong kind of pre-mixed mixture, and I checked that. And then I remembered what I thought I had learned a long time ago. When your lawnmower won't crank, when your weed eater won't crank, when your blower won't crank, what's the first thing you need to check? Well, some of you will say gas, and that might could represent the Holy Spirit. But it's that spark plug. That was the problem. Took the spark plug out, too cheap to go buy one, didn't have time. Just took my wire brush, cleaned it all, put it back in there, and it just cranked. Well, faith is the spark plug of the Christian life. Please hear me. Without faith, the Christian life doesn't operate as God intended it to operate. There's the power of faith. And then there's the source of faith. And this is so important because some of you probably are thinking, oh, Jack, you're sounding too much like some of those name it and claim it wild-eyed preachers on TV. And no, I'm really not. I, I don't believe that we name it and claim it, but I believe when God names it, we claim it. Did you hear me? Because that's the source of faith. We looked at this scripture last Sunday, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus said to those Emmaus disciples, they were so down and defeated. Jesus had been crucified and they didn't realize he was resurrected and walking on the road with them. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 24, 25. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Jesus told the liberal Sadducees of his day that didn't believe in a resurrection or a heaven, in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, 29, you're mistaken not knowing the scripture or the power of God. Acts 6, 5. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. What does that mean? It means he was full of the word of God. If you don't believe me, sometimes read Acts 7, 1 through 53 and just listen to how Stephen just poured out scripture. The more of God's word you know the more capacity you have for mountain moving. Faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you've heard me say it before because I heard it years ago. Can't remember which preacher I heard it from. There are three approaches to the Christian life. They're the feelers. They try to live the Christian life by how they feel. And it's like a roller coaster ride. And then they're the figuras. Now, God doesn't want us to throw away our feelings, and God doesn't want us to throw away our brain when we get saved. But there are those that basically try to live the Christian life totally by their figuring, and they end up with a lot of strife in their life and discord and doubt. 
So they're the feelers, that's one approach. They're the figurers, that's the other approach. And then, praise God, they're the faithers. They're the folks that live the Christian life like we're supposed to live the Christian life, by faith. And faith is believing in and claiming God's Word, especially the promises of God. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, what did he do? The omnipotent, all-powerful Son of God quoted Scripture. He took out that sharp two-edged sword. It is written, and he said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone. It's not just something you get on Sunday in Sunday school in church. You live by, man shall not live by bread alone, but every, what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God until we learn to live our life according to what the word of God says, we will not have mountain moving, hell defying, victorious faith like we should. Then there's the testing of faith. Some of you today, I hope, will get inspired to have a revival in your faith. To let the wire brush of the Holy Spirit clean off your faith spark plug. But I'm here to tell you, Satan will notice. Your faith will be tested. Now there's a difference between testing and temptation. But did you know in the New Testament the same Greek word is used? For testing and temptation, God tests you to make you stronger. And Satan tempts you to make you worse. They're not the same. One comes from God for your good. The other comes from Satan for your downfall. But here's what I believe with all of my heart. With every test that God puts us through to give us a stronger faith, Satan is right there trying to lie to us and tell us God's word isn't true. And get us to let go of our faith. That's how he started in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Eve's out there in the garden. And he comes along, has not God said, you can eat of every tree of the garden? And she said, oh, he said, you can eat of every tree of the garden. Except the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Do not eat of it. And she even added, touch it. God didn't say that. I mean, he may have, but it's not recorded in the scripture, but. Sometimes people are given to exaggeration. But she did speak the truth. God said you can't eat of this particular tree of the knowledge of good and evil lest you die. You know what Satan said? God has said you shall not eat of it lest you die. That's Eve. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. How did Jesus describe Satan? In John 8, 44, five times he said, Satan is a liar. And so you get a word of faith. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and, and God gives you Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love God. And you know you're a Christian, you know you love God, and you're standing on that. Doesn't mean you still may not weep sometimes and, but I mean that you're standing on the foundation of God's word. You're claiming that promise. Maybe you got to face some ordeal and you're claiming Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how I approached Hebrew and Greek in seminary. 
Maybe you're being tempted to worry about something and you're claiming the promise of Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. That's the way you live the Christian life. And so you're claiming that promise and you're being tested because God wants to strengthen your faith. And then Satan still comes along. His tactics haven't changed. And he shoots those fiery darts toward our mind and he said, God's word isn't true. Now he may not say it directly, but he will say it. You don't really believe that promise, do you? That's Satan. Well, the scripture, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith worketh patience. And this word means endurance or strength. 1 Peter 1, 7, we studied this in Sunday school a few weeks ago, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We all know the second half of John 10, 10. For a long time, I thought it was all it was to it. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. But you know what the first part says? He wants you to have an abundant life. And an abundant life is a life lived in faith. Strong faith. But the first part of that verse says the thief, that's the devil, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan will do all he can to steal away your faith, your mountain-moving faith. And that's what he's done with some of you here this morning. That's why I have to continually go back to Mark 11 and give myself these spiritual pep talks in my life. Because I find sometimes my faith becomes just kind of apathetic, kind of ho-hum, and I'm not having that aggressive faith. Have faith in God, Jesus said. When I pastored Oak Haven, things began to change there and a lot of our members had their homes broken into. And there was the sweetest widow lady. I don't know if I ever met a lady any sweeter than uh, Miss Hathaway. And one day I got a call and she had gone back home in the daytime and someone had come in and just ravaged her house, strewn things everywhere and stolen jewelry that had been in her family for years. And I... I still remember, this was in the 70s, I remember sitting down and holding her hand and she says, Brother Jack, I, I've lost so many keepsakes and meaningful things and, and I, I feel so insecure and I feel so afraid. I'm thankful that's happened to some of you and you've told me it's a horrible feeling. You feel violated. Well, I know of some Christians today, and that's where you are in the Christian life because you've allowed the thief to come in and steal away your mountain-moving faith. And you're insecure, and you're lacking peace, and you're afraid. And Jesus told the disciples, fear not. Where is your faith? Faith is the cure for fear. And then lastly, the action of faith. James 2.20, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And the Greek word for dead means barren, barren. 
Some of you are sitting here today and say, Jack, I don't really think what you're saying works because I know a lot of the Bible and I know a lot of God's Word and I'll be honest with you, uh, my Christian life isn't operating uh, very well. But you see, you have to act on your faith. I remember Billy Graham saying once that in almost every case of Jesus performing a miracle, he asked that person to act in some way. The man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Faith without works is dead. The paralyzed man, take up your pallet and walk. The ten lepers that came to Jesus, I love that story in Luke 17. They wanted to be healed of leprosy. And Jesus said, go to the priest in the temple and go through the ceremony you go through after you get healed. And guess what? On the way to the temple to go through that ceremony, they all got healed. Faith, are, are you listening now? Faith is acting like it is, even though it isn't, so that it will be because God said it. Did you hear me? You can know all the Bible. You can be a great theologian. You can have a list of theological degrees. But if you are not practically acting on your faith, it does not work. I remember years ago seeing a bumper sticker. If you want to run with the big dogs, get off the porch. Well, that's my challenge to us today. And I want to warn you, Satan's going to fight it tooth and nail. But is today your day to have a spiritual pep talk and to rededicate your life to a life of mountain moving, aggressive faith? Let's pray together. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I care about you. I'm simply sharing a message today that I have had to share with myself so many times. And this week I did that and I felt like the Lord wanted me to just share it with you this morning. Is it the message you need today? Is it time that you allowed the Holy Spirit to be the brush to clean off your spiritual spark plug of faith so that your Christian life will begin to run like it ought to. Oh, I pray today, oh Lord, that my brothers and sisters all over this auditorium and this preacher especially would be recommitted to living a life of not just some faith, but all faith. All faith. Living by the Word of God, not our feelings, not our figurings but faith in the Word of God, no matter what the circumstance is. And Lord, you know today there's some here that are going through some difficult circumstances. May they stand on the promises of God and not let the thief steal them away. Get out of here, Satan. Lord, rebuke the liar from my mind and my heart. I'm going to believe your Word. And then as I said at the beginning today, if there's anyone here that's never in your heart of hearts called him Lord, it's glorious saying, 
make today be that day for you to receive him as your Savior and your Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing together, Brother Rick. Would you stand, please?